Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Texas Steampunk Connection. This is episode four. This is Flavio, and I'm just doing a quick introduction. Today's episode is going to be... It's going to be uh, another interview, this time with the professor who is the developer, creator, writer of ICE, Brass Revolution. That's ICE. He actually spells it A-E-S, Brass Revolution. Um, also want to get a couple of things out of the way, a couple of mentions. Um, on June 21st, we have our annual third Tuesday of the month Gears and Beers meetup at at Sherlock's on Breaker and Breaker and 183. Um, also, the Ice Brass Revolution. They meet at Opal's Anime every Saturday night. At um, that's on Rutland Drive. Opal's Anime every Saturday night. Um, once again, this is a this is uh, the professor talking about Ice Brass Revolution. It's another RPG. So I hope you enjoy. I'm here with uh, the professor <laughs> at ChupacabraCon 3 in Round Rock, Texas. It is May 15th, 2016. Um, much to my surprise, he has a steampunk RPG, and he is the writer and creator along with a partner of his who is not here at the moment. Um, say hello. <laughs> hello to everybody at home. Uh, I am the professor. I create Ice Brass Revolution. Um, I am also have my own podcast, the Communicast. Um, so if you love my voice, because <laughs> I love the sound of my own voice. The, uh, it's, a as, ni- it's a nice voice, much better than mine, that's for sure. <laughs> now, it, it, it took me a bit of work to get to it. I used to be a lot <laughs> to higher get the, pitched. To get the radio game. voice down. Yeah, exactly. The, um, but my uh, partner, co-developer, is Wen Chen Li. Uh, you can find him on Facebook as well. He does not come out to conventions. I'm the convention face. Um, the We are... Typically, we are found at Oopal's Anime uh, here in Austin, uh, where we play regularly on Saturdays. Um, but Ice Brass Revolution, it's been a big personal project, and I'm really glad to be here to talk about it. Right. Okay. Well, let's get back to the beginning here. I'd like to ask everybody right off the bat, how did you first get into steampunk? What, what drew you to steampunk? Uh, steampunk has been a genre I've been interested in since Girl Genius. Um, I... I I'm, go I'm back. Familiar. I'm familiar. Yeah, I remember when Girl Genius was uh, black and white. I saw it in a bookstore, uh, read the first volume, just loved it. Um, I, I just loved the whole like mad science. And I've always loved mad science. In my fourth grade English class, we had a writing assignment, and I would always put mad scientists in there in, nice. in one role or the other. <laughs> just love. And to me, steampunk features that. To such a great degree, you know, Frankenstein, of course, is the classic mad scientist archetype. So, um, Girl Genius was a huge inspiration. Um, I got back into it when I was in Austin because Austin has such a large steampunk community, and so I met a lot of steampunkers here, and and finally, you know, drew me back in. Um, and yeah, it's. So many aspects of it really appeal. I'm surprised I haven't run across you before because I've been in the steampunk community for a few years now. Um, there must be another group out there that I'm unaware of. <laughs> to be fair, I was mostly on the fringes of it. Okay. For, for me, it was mostly on the gaming side oh, okay. of things. And yeah. Not every not everybody in steampunk does gaming. And not everybody I agree. In the gaming does steampunk. So I agree. Yes. Yeah. I, I mostly I hang out mostly with the people who just like to dress up and look good and the makers for the most part. And they're not really gamers per se. They just like to you know they yeah. make stuff and they dress up and yeah. and they're not really role players. And I've also noticed that yeah, a lot of role players don't really go to the to the makers, and yeah. you know they don't really intermix that well. And I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying to bring people more closer together. I'm That's trying to awesome. fix that. That's awesome. No, <laughs> I I have a lot of respect for creators. Um, you know, I do. I watch the show Steampunked. Oh yeah, um, I watched that one too. Yeah, uh, my co-dev, he's friends with like Talus and Ave and Thomas. Um, I my favorite judge was I think Matt was his name uh, the the one who has done the show online. Okay, I loved his analysis. Like he 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 came in kind of like me from more from the writing perspective. Uh, I'm not so much a maker. I I'm not a crafty sort. I'm a writer. I like we're just I, creating you know crafting and, and different you know it's writing but it's, it's still crafting. Yeah. So I come in as a, from a writing fiction perspective. So also another question we like to ask right off that like what. Is steampunk to you? I mean, what is, what what is the essence of steampunk? You know, what you know? Do you see something and say that's steampunk, or you know, you look at something that that's not steampunk? What what is what is it? You know, how do you define steampunk? 
Hmm. Now, obviously, that's a contentious issue. Yes, exactly. That's uh, why. That's why everyone has their own opinions. I, I, I saw the flame wars over steampunk really highlighted mm-hmm. with the different community views. Um, to me, it comes down to the two halves of the word itself. You have the steam and you have the punk. The steam part to me is the aesthetic. I like the aesthetic. It's very visually beautiful. You know, corsets are beautiful. Um, you have the steam aesthetic is very Victorian when we still valued classical beauty. Mm-hmm. We valued um, things that looked good. We valued, you know, ha- handsome, dapper men and gorgeous, genuine, you know, beautiful women, you know, who, who looked good. They, st- they valued beauty. So now the problem, of course, is in steampunk, a lot of what you see is only the aesthetic. That's where the uh, glue some gears on it right, derivative yeah. trope came from. Mm-hmm. Now, so that's why to me the punk side, and as a writer, that to me is, is the big core. The punk side is the philosophy of steampunk. So what makes steampunk steampunk is the idea of industry, you know, capitalism, um, individuality, a lot of the philosophies of the 1800s. So for me, classical liberalism is the ultimate embodiment of the punk trope, especially today, because the whole point of punk is to rebel against the, the themes that are around you today. What do we have today? We have cronyism, corporatism, we have pushes for you know, uh, religious extremism, we have pushes for collectivism and Marxism. So classical liberalism stands against all of that because it says, no, be rational, be intelligent, think for yourself, don't be afraid to buck trends. You know, live as thou wilt, don't mess with other people. Leave other people alone, worry about yourself. That's and, awesome. And to me, yeah. that contrast, that defines punk. Um, if you look at... A little bit anti-establishment. anti I mean, that's what was punk yeah. in the 70s. 70s mm-hmm. was all about, screw you, you know, yep. to the man. And today, we represent that by saying, hey, we need to live on our own. Stop interfering with our lives. And uh, if you look at, say, Difference Engine, this is one example I use to highlight it. A lot of people say Difference Engine, first steampunk work, I tend to disagree. Difference Engine has the aesthetic of steampunk. Mm-hmm. You have the Babbage engine, you have the historical period. But if you look at the philosophy of it that it espouses, it condemns industry. It condemns um, a lot of the growth and uh, development and science uh, that advances man. And it supports, on the flip side, kind of the counterculture against that. But it, so it has cyberpunk roots. Its philosophy is really it's a cyberpunk novel with a steampunk aesthetic. Okay. So. And you said this was Difference Engine? The Difference Engine is this, by William. Is this a novel? I don't, uh, Will, I don't think I've heard of this one. Uh, William Gibson. Okay. Um, it's, it's one of the ones that gets tossed around a lot. I personally don't consider it all that much steampunk. It's got steampunk aesthetic, but the it's philosophy... Just a little, little bit of flavor thrown on there, right. basically. Uh, so to me, a good what I would consider like strong steampunk, a, a strong, solid steampunk work would be something that both has the philosophy, like it, it, it has positivism, it has individuality, but at the same time, also has the aesthetic because you can have a a space opera mm-hmm. that stresses individuality. Classic right. Star Trek had plenty of very strong, enthusiastic exactly. philosophy of that trend, but, but not but not steampunk. It's not steampunk. So you have to have both of those you, you know, because if you just have the steam, it's just looks at it's very empty and shallow. If you only have the philosophy, well, that's great too. But you can you can dress the philosophy in a lot of different ways. You have to have both together to have it. That that is a that is great. That's a great explanation for steampunk. I love it. Thanks. <laughs> I thought about this one. <laughs> that's good. I thought about it more than some people, I'm sure. Um, but that, I mean, I, that's a good one. Yeah, because uh, in a previous episode, we did uh, those. There's three. Basically, what is steampunk? And there's basically three criteria you should probably fill. And basically, you explained two of them that we had right off the bat. It was basically the kind of anti-establishment. That's the punk side, mm-hmm. and the aesthetic side. Basic is is the other part. Um, and uh, actually. I feel bad. I forgot what our third one is. Oh. Well, <laughs> it, was, it was more Thax's. It was more Thax's idea. He's the one that explained it on there. Oh, okay. um, he was unable to join us today. He's uh, manning the booth out there at Chupacabra Con. Uh. Um, okay, well, so so you decided. Well, you didn't decide. You you are making <laughs> yes. a role playing game. Yes. Based on all, based on steampunk, and yes. it's called Ice Brass Revolution. Yes. Because I hate being popular, having any money, or having a social life. Yes. <laughs> I chose to be a game developer. So so what what what's, what made you decide to make this a steampunk game, or you know, or even start making a game to begin with? Um, yeah, several things went into our decision. 
Um, most of it, it's intensely personal. The, the game itself is a very intensely personal project. Um, it, and it really came with a lot of dissatisfaction with what was out there. So on many different fronts, not just steampunk, but games in general. Mm-hmm. Um, one, we didn't like that in most games, you are a murder hobo. Um, like, yes, D&D, I can see Pathfinder, that. I can see that, you yeah. go around, you kill the thing. You take the loot, you kill the thing. Right. Watch for its repeat. I mean, that's, I mean, it can be fun. It's good for a Viscaral escape. But we, we preferred something more than that. Um, and there are games that do more than that. And so that, that, that's good. And that trend is starting to turn. People are recognizing that just going in and killing the thing, meh. Um, so that was one. We, we wanted more types of conflict resolution in a game. You, but still allowing for combat. Like, we want combat and non-combat. We want those two balanced. Two, generally dissatisfied with the quality of steampunk games out there. Um, most steampunk games, they have the look and the feel of steampunk. They have the aesthetic, mm-hmm. but they don't have the philosophy. Okay. They either choose not to get into it, or they just... or Well, actually, yeah, most of them either deliberately choose to avoid it, or they just don't because they forget about it. Um, they just go into the crunch and it's like this, 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 these are what we can do, roll the dice. And Exactly. Uh, a lot of steampunk games are, are to put it bluntly, D&D with gears glued on. It's <laughs> like they have, like you could put them in a medieval setting mm-hmm. and all the mechanics would work exactly the same. There's nothing in the game mechanics themselves that say this is steampunk. So that was one of our challenges. We wanted to create mechanics that's, that conveyed steampunk. Because it's not enough to just put it, the shell around it. it the, every aspect of an art, because games are an art, every aspect of the art should try to add up to the goal. And in our case, was to embody some kind of steampunk philosophy that we are, we are still struggling with. We don't have the answer to it. We don't claim to have the answer. We have what we think is our personal interpretation of steampunk. Well, yeah. That's what we're working towards. So how far along are you? Is it a complete book or now? Or are you still tweaking it? Or I mean, it's still a work in progress. Um, we we still refer to this as an alpha. Okay. Um, specifically, we have version eight just came out a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're planning on putting it on Create Space print on demand because we've had a lot of people from not or in Texas ask for copies. They want to order it, so we're going to start putting it online so people can order them. Give us start giving us feedback. Uh, we've got some fans up in Ohio, for example. Wow, okay. Um, You're getting yeah. up. Yeah, we have uh, another fan from uh, Iowa. We met her in uh, Game Expo. Okay. Um, so we're trying to put that out there a little more. It's This version is closer to core book than the previous ones. We've started removing content. Like Originally, we were just throwing everything at the wall, seeing what stick, just getting everything in there, getting everything tested. So now you're doing a little bit more editing. We're starting to make choices. Okay. And we're starting to remove content that doesn't quite fit what we want for a core book. So our goal is to move this book that I'm holding towards core. That will be the core. And then everything else that we're removing, expansion material. And okay. We, and we have plans for that. We, we have the short-term and we have the long-term plan. Because... A lot of, and this goes to indie game development. Mm-hmm. A lot of indie game developers screw themselves by only focusing on the first release. Like they, um, they are so focused on core, 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 and when they finally get to it, it's the dog that catches the car. Right. Okay, well, what do we do next? Yeah, now what? Yeah, what's what's our next step? What yeah. are we going to do now? Well, okay. how did they forget how to fit the core into a broader framework? Now, the flip side too is you can also focus too much on the future that you lose sight of the core. We're we've def we've managed to avoid that. Like we've very thoroughly said expansion material expansion material we will deal with it when it is time right. but it's there and we know when it's time to right. deal as with you're it. writing you can think like well this should be an expansion we'll put this aside for now exactly and continue with the core yeah so there like for example there are some uh abilities in the game that are kind of negative themed so those didn't really fit with more of the the positive lighter themes of the core so we're going to move that kind of into our dark steampunk area uh we've got four flavors of steampunk basically built into this game oh, okay and okay. each one is planned for its own like development cycle later all on. right well let's get into it um what okay let's talk about your game um what is what well what's the world like what what are you i mean are we based on earth are we a different planet where, where what is your setting uh, <laughs> our setting in a world without diesel actually False. There are some diesels. We actually have a little bit of diesel punk in there, just for flavor. But anyway, in a world without diesel, there is only steam. This is the world of ice. 
Um, looking down from its two moons, uh, you see four primary nations stretched over three different continents. The first primary nation is Ainaeum. Ainaeum is the main setting for the core book and our first planned expansion development cycle. Um, Ainaeum is classic steampunk. It is um, set very thoroughly inspired by Victorian England as well as industrial America. Uh, very heavy inspired by America. We have a strong American influence. Uh, I like that. I like that. Much of the philosophy of the characters, like we tried to go to the stories of the Scrantons, Rockefeller, um, Vanderbilt, uh, James Hill with the railroads. We tried to tap into a lot of the early American pioneers, a lot of the early American entrepreneurs, show and create a, a nation where their success kept going. And you can join in their success. So this is a very much a... Um, go forth, explore, save other people who are trying to be bullies. You know, people people in this country, you know, most part, they leave you alone, do their own thing. A consensual exchange is a big focus. Um, but you still have enemies who are trying to bully their way and steal and murder. You know, those things are still considered wrong. Um, so this is a classic steampunk, very European focus um, The uh, with, with uh, yeah, England, America. The other main country is Zonrad. Zonrad is our dark steampunk setting. So we, the way we describe it is a little bit like if Tumblr had a nation. <laughs> a little okay. bit. Imagine Tumblr in charge of a country. That, that's, most people will go like, oh, no, that sounds yeah. horrible. No, yeah, it's, no one's going to get along with anybody. It's, it's really bad. It's, we, it started off well. It started off as a kind of a, a mercantile uh, Group. It started a bunch of disparate people coming together, forming a mercantilism nation. But then it grew corrupt over time. They grew too satisfied with where they were. So the uh, economy started to stagnate as they started to try to control more and more centralized power. Started to oppress more of the economy. Economy collapsed. So now they're doing things like invading other nations to take their resources, to try to keep the economy going through war, essentially, while, quote unquote, bringing their lifestyle to other nations to make them freer, you know, that oh, sort yes. of. So with, with uh, INAM, we explore the themes of industry, liberty, um, the, the positive aspects. With Zonrad, it's their direct contrast. There we have, you know, collectivism, we have the uh, slavery, colonialism, uh, a little bit of the racism as well. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of that elevated, like humans are better than the other other races that walk this planet. We are superior. A little, little bit of that. Okay. Well, just, yeah. that's, just that's, the, that's human nature, so exactly. you can't, can't ignore that. So you have those two nations are the, the, the yin and the yang kind of core uh, of the conflict, both European-focused, uh, but in different ways. Uh, Zonrad, so Inaeum is more like Scottish, Latin, kind of kind of roots, uh, English roots. Um, whereas Zonrad, we describe it, they started out as kind of German-Russian, but they are now transitioning to, you know, French, uh, French uh, uh, existentialism mixed with uh, Hegelian philosophy. Like, okay. Okay. we both, both myself and my co-dev agree that Hegel was terrible. So we're, we're slamming Hegel something fierce uh, a little bit <laughs> on the philosophical front. Okay. Um, and you said how many nations were there, you said? Four. Four. So our third, Ayaziwa. Ayaziwa is actually a continent. It, uh, for, so Ainaeum is the normal steampunk. Zonrad is the dark steampunk. Ayaziwa is post-apocalyptic steampunk. Uh, they had so, a nation. So they had something go wrong. Yeah, something horrible. Civil war broke out in their last empire, tore the continent apart. Nature has gone wild. Uh, the weapons that were unleashed are still causing havoc. Uh, people have, have banded together to small clans and convoys trying to scrabble out a living wherever they can. It's slowly getting better, but very slowly. And one misstep, you're dead because there will be something there that will kill you. Mm. Um, it taps into some of the mysterious exploration aspects of steampunk. You know, you're going into the wild jungle and the jungle is trying to kill so you. Kind of pulpy. Pulp, yeah. Kind of pulpy. Yeah. At the same time, we've avoided some of the bad stereotypes. That, so there's no noble savages in okay. Ayaziwa. Okay. You know, yeah. What we've done is Ayaziwan culture is heavily inspired by Zulus. Okay. Uh, Shaka Zulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a character inspired by him. He is rallying the people around him. He is creating new techniques to fight this. So ingenuity 
and the uh, and science and technology interpreted through the Zulu lens. Because Shaka Zulu invented things. He was a creator. He was a scientist mm-hmm. in his time. He created new military technology, new military strategies. So we have that reflected here um, in how we do ISU and culture. Um, and we're going to be doing way more research on it, too, when it's time for, for that. For a supplement in the future? Yes. Uh, but we, we, Zulu steampunk has not been done, even though you, know, you have the Boer War, you have all this conflict in South Africa, and no one touches on it for right. steampunk. It's so yeah, rich. I've never seen anything on, on that. Exactly. And we, we're going to have that in there. We're going to have that in there. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. Our last country, our favorite, is Jiangxi. Jiangxi is Chinese-inspired, heavy Chinese-inspired. I'm Chinese. My co-dev is Chinese. So we... So naturally, <laughs> yeah. One, one of the other, going back to you know what got us to make this game. One of our other dissatisfactions was Asia in RPGs. There are so it's many very stereotypical, terrible, terrible Asian analogs in games. So, uh, Wulsung is probably one of the worst. They have the Chinese as orcs, and they're all described as devious and and you know cowardly. It's like really, guys. That's not good. Yeah, yeah, really, really. You're gonna go straight out racial stereotype. I think it got criticized pretty badly for that. I own a copy of it though, just to like. <laughs> but, that way, you know what you don't like. Exactly. <laughs> but in general, the common themes with China are you have um, it's either crumbling empire because it's based on the Manchurians. It's um, martial arts, Hong Kong modern martial arts fest. Everyone is chowing fat. Um, or Let's see, uh, the third one is, oh yeah, or it's mystical, magical land where there is no science. And all three get it wrong. Uh, you know, Manchurian dynasty was a very small part. So we're going back to the Song and the Tong dynasties. Because for most of human history, China was the center of the world economy. It was the leader of economic leaders, the economic powerhouse that drove much of the world economy. It's one of the three great civilizations alongside India and the Middle East. A lot of, we're we're going to have some martial arts in there. We're going to try very hard to stay away from some tropes. Like we have a rule: no ninjas, and <laughs> they don't um, exist anyway. Yeah, we, we didn't want any ninjas, and I forgot what the other rule we had. We have it written down in terms of what our design philosophy for Chi. We're going to try to deliberately stay away from some of the stereotypes there, just to make it a little harder on ourselves. And the third one too: science tech. China, if anyone who knows history, um, go read Science and Civilization of China by Joseph Needham. It is an amazing series. But it reflects, you know, the invention of gunpowder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people, everyone knows about paper, gunpowder, and the printing press. But they had cybernetic technology. They had machines that could respond to human interaction. At mm-hmm. earlier. They invented the seismograph. They created um, hermetically sealed chambers. They invented steel, steel, the forging process that we used, that we rediscovered in the 1800s. The Bessemer steel process was based on the Chinese technique from the like, 2nd century A.D., China had steel for almost uh, 1,600 years longer than Europe and used it. They created factories, and the, the, both the concept of factories, the concept of industrialization with farmers moving to the cities, and the concept of assembly lines were all in China in early AD period. So they had everything like that far earlier than Europe. So our theme for Zhengxi is retrofuturism. So if I name, I name we take as kind of a baseline steampunk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like this is where our tech is. So Zonrad's a little bit behind because they suppress and their, their oppression causes them to miss out on innovations. But they're really good military tech because they've invested in that. Aizua lags furthest behind because of all the chaos. Zhengxi is ahead of them by so several generations. So okay. they have things we can't do in our world, like laser guns, things like that. So futuristic sci-fi, well, for us... But through a steampunk lens, that's going to be Jenkins. So, so they're the advanced, the, uh, the highly advanced, more the the latest, greatest high tech steampunk exactly <laughs> stuff you have you can get. And what, now, one thing we are doing, we are having they are a bit isolationist because one of the things the early China always held is well, we can go anywhere, we can you know we could conquer people, but why would we want to? Yeah, why would we want to? It takes us away from China. China's awesome. So that's how Jenkins kind of is. They'll trade with you. They're not going to give you your their advanced tech because they are worried about wrong hands. Because Zonrat, you know, they've got an evil nation like right, wants we don't, sharing. Yeah, we their don't content. want them to have this high tech stuff. Exactly, yeah. they don't want Zonrat blowing up people. So they control it, they regulate it. You know, they will trade. They'll be nice to Inam. They have good relations with Inam and Iziwa. 
but they're not overly generous. They are controlled, and they have some conflict within. Now, our, their main conflict we chose is they have droughts. China has always struggled with droughts and floods. We're going to use that with Zhengqi as kind of a main focus uh, for their internal conflicts. We have Japan as well. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, Japan is represented by another nation named Joki, and that one is going to be Meiji Restoration Japan. But not. this is not like anime, lion eyes, woohoo, Japan, yay. This is imperial Japan, uh, Japan becoming fascist. Um, and it's gonna, we're going to try to keep it to what the Meiji Restoration really was in terms of their rise and their, their thirst for power. And that's going so to be there, another... There could be a future threat in another supplement. Exactly. So, okay. that, so we're going to reflect on historical Japan, but updated to be steampunk and to come into conflict with Zhengqi, which will be a very, very nice... Like that Sino-Japan War of the, of the late 1800s have that reflected. Try not to go into World War II territory, but we do like to explore World War I. Like up, anything up to World War I, we can kind of consider fair game for what we want in the game. Sounds great. Sounds like you really thought this this world through, put a lot of in, lot of thought into it, and a lot of uh, work <laughs> into yeah. it. Yeah, it, 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 we've had many sessions. Um, I'll give credit. Microscope. Microscope is a game that we use to develop this. Microscope is an amazing development tool. Um, we've we've had a couple sessions here at Chupa. It's always been scheduled opposite my games, or I would join in. Um, I backed their Kickstarter uh, to get Explorer as well. Uh, we might sit down and run that again. We've got. Uh, we use index cards. We have boxes and boxes of index cards of notes. We still need to type a lot huh? of it up. There's so much just written down and is not typed, and we need to get that. Huh? Yeah, well, it sounds like you got plenty to work with for for your future supplements. You oh, know? Yeah. So you're you're getting ahead of the curve there. Sounds like. Yeah, our main our main thing we're focusing on now. We've got a good lore backing. We've got a good general idea. We're trying to fill in details for the core and the system. Because all the lore in the world won't help you without a good system. Right, that, that was going to be my next question. Let's get into your, your system, the crunch. Um, like, if I were to make a character, what do I need to do? What are we looking at? Are we looking at attributes? Are we looking at um, skills? What are we looking at? Um, our, well, we, liked, uh, we liked the idea of you choose what you want to do, and that just tells you how well you do it. So we have a thing called faculties, which is similar to feats. Um, Faculties give you special abilities, special like extra oomph that your character can do. And then when you choose your faculty, that gives you your stats. So everything is derived from you, what you want to do, what, how do you want to play in this world, and then that tells that gives you your stats. So it's uh, no like rolling for attributes, there's no rolling for skills, there's no attributes or skills to be had. It's just four core stats. You have precision, how well do you hit the thing? Okay. Dodge. How well do you avoid being hit? Sounds good. Flare, which is your ability to convince your social interactions. Okay. Your ability to become noticed, you know, be able to look at me or be stealthy. Okay. So we have we paired those together. And then conviction, your ability to resist, priority, your ability to notice things. So And these are your, your core those are the four workhorses of the engine. So precision and dodge are combat stats. Flare and conviction are non-combat stats. Okay. We that division we wanted between combat and non-combat, that it keeps it that way. So you can be in nothing but flare, but and build and have things to do even in, in combat. You would not be useless because flare can be used in certain ways during combat. You convince an enemy to run away. You can intimidate things like that. So our mechanics are built to encourage combat and non-combat, uh, whereas many games focus strictly on giving points for combat. This is true, yes. Um, but the design there, we also have qualitative aspect, and we're still developing this, um, called ideals. I mentioned we like the classical liberalism approach to steampunk. Mm-hmm. So our five ideals are derived from that. We have autonomy, exchange, invention, self-defense, volition. Um, autonomy is based around the private property, your use of property, your use of weapons, your business, survival, your ability to be autonomous, to respect the property of yourself and of others. Exchange is uh, based on the you know, consensual exchange. Your social things, how well are you getting along with other people? Dealing with others is equals you know, being able to grease the wheels of interactions. Invention is science. Oh, yes, science. Got to have science. Yeah, we, we love science. <laughs> I, I'm a science type. I wear a lab coat walking around a lot. 
science, 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 more science. So that's that's your science. That's your reason. Um, self-defense is based on the non-aggression principle, which is another classical liberal ideal, which is, you know, you shouldn't initiate it. Uh, you know, you don't walk up to someone and punch them in the face. No. But if someone punches you in the face, you can punch them right back. You, you know, not pacifism. It's self-defense. So self-defense is, you know, your body, how you train it, your ability to move, your ability to fight unarmed. Volition is willpower. Uh, we borrow a little bit from Nietzsche on this one. Um, you know, not not the like Nietzsche that the Nazis used because that was ugly, but like original Nietzsche. You know, the will to power, the will to seize what you want in this world and the and the will to do it ethically and morally to follow your moral code so volition is um your discipline your focus yeah and your ability to overcome obstacles you know the ability you know um to seize happiness basically so are you wishy-washy or are you able to go out and make the world the way you want it now are these different stats or they fall under the other four Somehow, uh, these or some way. The ideals are given along with the stats. Okay. Um, the ideals are not used for dice rolls. They affect how others perceive you. Okay, it's a role play aspect it's of a, it. It's, okay. it's to help inform your role play as okay. well as to help guide the social interaction side of things. Because flair by itself as a naked stat is very, very broken. Mm-hmm. Because I just, I just roll and I convince. Roll and convince. Roll and convince. Right. So we use this to say, well... Yeah, you're, you roll to try to convince, but you're an invention type. You have a hot, strong... So people see you as a science guy. Well, the one you're talking to, he's kind of a meathead. He's, so got, he's, a high he's self, not going understand he's you. He's got yeah. a high self-defense. He's not impressed by your knowledge. So, right. yes, you rolled high, but you take a penalty because he doesn't, he doesn't care about your scientific jargon. You have to try to appeal to him on how he's interested. Okay, yes. That makes, that makes perfect sense, yeah. Balances, keeps, keeps Flair from being a runaway stat. And early versions had that issue. So we tamped it down... Uh, we're thinking of introducing uh, equivalents like Benny's or uh, Destiny points. Okay. Yeah. You, again, mm-hmm. using ideals. So the higher ideals, you get little extra bonuses to nudge things in a certain direction. And the way you nudge it is based on which ideal you have those points from. And just because we want to give players more control. Um, in terms of a game style, we have two ways of doing it. Um, we can have GM, the invisible hand, is what we call our GM can have a module and run the players through it or we ha- every player has a goal and the invisible hand can say hey what's your goal okay what's your goal all right i'm going to create a scenario you're going to work towards that goal and i'm going to put obstacles in your way right. but by the time this campaign is done you'll have your goal right hopefully if, if you do everything <laughs> correctly and properly right, you know, if you're smart there, about there it, has to be an option to fail or it wouldn't be any fun <laughs> exactly and if you fail hey you can try again i mean right. you can try, how keep, are you going to recover going until you find your get your goal exactly so we have a player centric mode and we really love we love it when a player can take control of the world a little bit and can alter things so it's not all from on high because <laughs> I mean that's steampunk part of punk is hey screw you authority right, I'm gonna do so this get letting the player tell the invisible hand is like no you know what it's not that it's this that's that's part of the fun that's, that's, to that's me that's great yeah so as you play, like I said, you know, start off with a beginning character. How do you advance your character? Do you get skill points, or I mean, do you just choose different something new? I mean, how do you, how do you advance your character as you play along? Uh, we use a pretty straightforward XP buy. Okay. Um, so each session you get um, you earn XP for doing certain things. So if you resolve a, a conflict through uh, talking rather than fighting, if you don't have to resort to violence, you can get a bonus XP for that. If you're really creative, you get bonus XP. Um, if you keep the party together if you help another person achieve their goal or work towards their goal if you work towards yours or help another you get xp for that uh conflict in general generates xp you know if you succeed in overcoming conflict you get experience points for it It adds to it and then you just take the xp and you can level up your faculties buy new faculties you can uh directly influence some of your stats um you can uh, by careers so we have a talent system which is uh, kind of a long-term career thing that way you're not a murder hobo you're not a hobo you have a job you know you get to choose your job and you get to be better at your job through experience things like that yeah i like the fact that yeah the, the non-murder hobo thing is very appealing because you know it adds more to the role play i mean I, granted there is room for murder hobos in different games but if you want to be a murder hobo play a different game right exactly yeah <laughs> this this is not a game we designed for people who want to do the murder hobo or or for people who really love in-depth like just turn-based combat and nothing but turn-based comics which so is just pure mechanic 
this is not a game aimed at them. Um, on, on, we've kind of put on a scale of fate to Hackmaster, mm-hmm. uh, we, we lean closer to fate. So we're trying to be more of a storytelling game with some crunchy bits to help balance things. Awesome. Um, let's see. What else can we talk about here? We got, we got your world, your, your nations, and we talked about your, the character building, creation. Um, how long does it normally take to build up a character to when, oh. you, at, at when you first start? Uh, it depends. Uh, we aim for a goal of 30 minutes to an hour. We think that's reasonable for a new character build. Um, we've had, I've had a uh, 12-year-old sit down, read the character creation, an old version of the character creation, even had some errors in it, and just knock out a character 30 minutes flat. Because to them it was just like, dun 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 We try to write character creation as logically as we can, order as well as we can. The, like a, like the, a step-by-step instruction? Exactly. The book chapters are ordered in the order that you do character creation. So you're going, you're flipping through in the correct order. Um, we're very, very close attention to character creation. Screw that up and your, your game is kind of messed up. You, yeah. you won't get players. Um, 30 minutes to an hour. However, if you really want to go in depth, you can also, sp- I, we've had people spend two, three hours making a character, but not because they were struggling, but because they were reading through all the different faculties, they were comparing different combinations. So they were um, really taking everything into consideration. Exactly. And we, we consider that, even though that takes a while, that's the good kind of time spent, because you're reading the book, you're thinking about the game. If you're spending time thinking about how to play the game, and not figuring, and not thinking about, or how you want to play the game, and not figuring out how does this work, that's good mental effort. So three hours making a character, it's fine so long as you're actually like doing research. We love we love it when people read every it, last it, yeah. page. It doesn't take that long out of confusion. It just takes that long because you want to you want to delve into it and figure out right. what you want your character to be. So high do. high degree of depth. You can go easy or you can go deep, and that's exactly what we wanted. Awesome. So and so your book is definitely. I mean, you got your character creation, and you said it's in order. Mm-hmm. In the book, but then you have your like. Well, I mean, every every game is going to have mechanics. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you roll? What are the mechanics? Do you roll dice? Um, do you you know? Do you oh, draw yeah. cards? What what are your mechanics? Okay, so we went with the D10. Um, I think the D10 is coming back in popularity. Um, I played like three games here over the weekend that used the D10 uh, or had D10 systems because tens make the math easier. Um, so our core numbers are tens and fives. Those are the two numbers we try to have wherever possible. When you roll a d10, uh, we use a system of just opposing roll for most things. Mm-hmm. You're either rolling your dice versus a difficulty set by the GM or invisible hand, or you're rolling a dice opposed by someone else rolling their dice. Highest roll wins. In terms of dice rolling, we do one is a one is a one. So okay. you get a one, you don't add you, anything you, to it. Unless you get something that says otherwise, you're stuck. Yeah, you messed up somehow and you're, yeah. Our other, our other mechanic is tens flare. <coughs> Terrible pun. Uh, basically, you roll a zero. You roll you, again. You got You roll again. You add to it. So if I rolled a zero and I rolled a six, I just got a sixteen. Awesome. So that and what that does is even a low level, a level one character can in theory get a level five result. We use a tiered result system. So like one through nine is level one, ten through nineteen is level two, and so on. Okay. And so levels will multiply damage. They'll multiply soak. Um, they're used to. They're used by invisible hand to determine, okay, here's how much you notice, here's how much you see, here's how much you convince them. So even a level one character can get a level five, uh, level five result. Uh, with, we had, with a really good roll. <laughs> yeah, I had, uh, we were at Alcon, and I had a character who was doing the slow tank build, the guy who's like, he just clods towards the thing and then beats it. And he was rolling level fours and fives like three or four times there on his dodge rolls. So it's like, so somehow the tank is now a ninja. It's literally like we flavored it's just, it's, it's bouncing off the wall with super dexterity in very heavy armor and no one knows what the heck is going on because it's like that should not happen. Everyone's just agape. But, but he made that. the rolls. So he made to... the rolls. So yeah, you dodge, you dodge super awesomely well too. So we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, we It's all about flavor. We love flavor. We love making things look cool. Whenever someone's doing crafting, we try to describe it in very neat terms, like energy crackling around as the pieces come together. You know, they're slowly forming into the item that you want. Um, that's another thing about our system. We have a, a crafting mechanic. It's unique yes, to yeah, this. Yeah, I was going to ask about that next. Like, yeah, but you're a tinker or whatever, and you want to make yeah. something that does something. Yeah. How's that work? Steampunk needs crafting. Yes. I. 
And when I open up a steampunk game, because I, I buy steampunk games kind of on impulse. Oh, oh, it's steampunk. I'm buying it yep, just that, so I can research I, I, it. I essentially do the same thing. And I'm so disappointed when I open up. It's like, oh, these are the items I can get. Okay, cool. How to modify them? You can't. What? It's like I have a gun. Okay, can can I modify the gun? Can I change the gun? No. You can upgrade the gun and get a new gun. It's like it's not the same thing. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I think part of it is our love of science. So we have a crafting system. You can craft pretty much anything. You can customize biologicals, you can customize your guns, you can customize your armor. We have concoctions for our fluids. Um, we're working on several other areas. Uh, we're still working on armor mods. We're still working on a few others. We even have an entire class called contraptions, which are universal mods. You can slap them on anything. Okay. Um, so the example we like to give there, you can you have a contraption called universal or uh, adaptive mask, which you put it over your face, you can disguise yourself. You can put that mod on your sword, turn your sword into a mask, then headbutt somebody, and you deal them damages as the sword. So you uh, you can attack okay. with your mask. That's kind of odd, but okay. I know. <laughs> we wanted people to be able to go crazy. Okay. And people have gone crazy, and every single time, it, it's been amazing. It's not broken, because you have to think about it. You have to find it. We had someone... We had a thing called Ganalda Jar, which is a preservative device. And someone actually thought of, I'll combine that with another contraption that wraps them in a protective bubble. And then I'll combine that with my gun. So now my gun shoots pellets that envelop them in a preserving jar and smothers them to death. Like, <laughs> That's, That's amazing. Go ahead and do that. Pretty and, elaborate, but yeah, yes. <laughs> I, I, I love the idea. And so we, we went with that. And I, I was able to interpret the rules on the fly based on the general nature of it. It was, it was great. That was at uh, San Japan last year. Someone did that. Like, yeah, I can yes. see something similar to that where it's like um, enveloping them in some kind of preservation liquid for like I don't know suspended animation you know, like, <laughs> we allow that too yeah this person's been asleep for a hundred years in this yeah. gel or whatever you know? <laughs> we, uh, we're also uh, we love Ruby big Ruby fans so we do have the ability like if you have a gun and you want to mix it with a sword you can combine those there's a faculty mm -hmm. called fuse allows you to put two things together to make new weapons um, so that very heavy Ruby influence from that we're hoping pe more people go to town but the crafting itself um, there are some games with crafting. A lot of games, crafting is tricky. A little, so oftentimes a little too tricky. So we mm -hmm. we try to go with something simple and intuitive. We think we've got it. Um, where what you do, you have every item has slots. Okay. And into those slots, you put your mods. Okay. And so each time you put a mod in a slot, you stack it. The more you stack a mod, the more the stronger the effect it has. Okay. So and the better you are at crafting, the higher your level. The more slots you have available, the more times you can stack a mod, and the more mods you know. So we try to root everything through the level of your maker faculty. That way it's like one thing to keep track of. It's like, what's my level? Three. Okay, I know this, 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 and this. So it's not like you're checking several half a dozen numbers to make sure if you mm -hmm. craft things. It's just like, what's my level? Okay, I can do it. Um, and so that, that concept, that visual of stacking mods for stronger effect, so far, this worked really well. We've had people pick up the book for the first time, they're able to craft, which we consider that the mark of a good crafting system. A lot of games, it's the crafting systems for advanced players, or you're not really shouldn't get into it at first. We've designed ours so you can start with the crafting okay. system and be okay. I'm assuming, like, you know, the the materials for these mods and whatnot, you know, it's just part of the game to get. You know, it's like I need to, I need to make this, but I have I'm missing such and such a piece of material that, exactly let's go get uh, it for the most part we generally have we, there's a um there's an allowance for if you're a crafter and you know the mods then yeah you could probably bust out one or two mods just with what you have on your person because you just keep it naturally right. if you start mass producing then yeah you gotta have to start gathering materials for it and we're and we plan an advanced crafting expansion later where we're really going to dig into like here are the types of items so if uh, if players want to get super into crafting and just really want to get a nitty gritty and have like a, a more of a Minecraft or uh, I think Daisy or wh whoever has a, uh, a good crafting like video game crafting system or Subnautica. Subnautica has, okay. has a pretty decent one. I like their crafting system. But if someone wants to replicate that, they can do that. If they want to go hardcore, they can. Because um, we don't want the core to be for hardcore types. But, you know, we recognize that there are people who want to play with ammo limits or who really want to have to scrounge for what they make. So we're going to have rules for that. 
oh, yeah. down the line. Sounds great. Um, well, we're coming up on 45 minutes. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add on, about your game that, that we missed, that we may have missed? Uh, well, our next convention will be Anime Austin. Uh, Chupa Comic Con's been great. I met so many amazing people. We had someone from the Savage Worlds uh, play the game this morning. Mm-hmm. She loved the system. Awesome. Gave us high marks. So that's great. I mean, to be to get compliments from another professional is great. Um, I've had people from Rooster Teeth play. Um, I've, I've gotten really positive feedback from a lot of people. Um, I also love critical feedback. If anyone wants to sit down and tear my game apart for an hour, I listen and I take thorough, thorough notes. Like the two best ones have been like one guy who was super traditional, like D&D. He hated the fact there were no classes, blah, blah, blah. And so he just tore the game apart, but he did constructively. So he Constructive gave criticism is always good. Great feedback. Had another guy didn't like the steampunk genre itself, didn't like the fact that we have no magic. There is no magic in this game. It's strict science. So that's something I should have mentioned. <laughs> that just makes me wonder, if he doesn't like steampunk, why was he even looking at your game? <laughs> He was curious. Okay. And he was in need of. He's actually here at Chupa. I played his game too. His game's a lot of fun, by the way. Um, but the uh, he gave me some great feedback of things to change and alter too from from developers. So critical okay. feedback has been gold. Uh, we actually had one of the guests also like uh, Friday night sat down with me for like two hours, went over the art in the game, awesome. and she pointed out a lot of things that we're going to be fixing on the art. Because I'm not an artist. I don't. I miss some of this. Uh, we've gone for make sure you know women are represented in the game. We've mm-hmm. got plenty of female characters who are not super scantily clad. We've avoided many of the obvious flaws, as she said. We've avoided all the 101 and 102 problems. We've got people of color. We've got women. We have women who are not terribly dressed. You know, there's no one in a, there's no women in midriffs going into combat wielding weapons because makes sense. Yes. That shouldn't be. If your cover art has a woman in a midriff going to combat you're doing something horribly horribly wrong or chainmail bikini or you know escher poses we have no escher poses yeah you're avoiding all the bad tropes that people do yeah but she pointed out a couple things that we can do a little bit better and so we listened to that and that was really nice she charges for that normally she did that for us for free so that's awesome yeah we've We've gotten You're so like, much I'll support. listen. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, we've gotten so much support from San Antonio and Houston and here in Austin. I think Dallas is the only place we haven't gone up to. Um, but um, our next one is Anime Austin. Uh, we'll be I'll be having a panel, Tabletop uh, 101, where we use the minimum viable product approach for this. And so I've broken that down, and now I have a workshop that I can do. And so in 90 minutes, awesome. I can groups of people to actually make a game similar to what went into this process. Uh, and I won't get super into that because <laughs> yeah. we hit 45 minutes already. God, so, that's a lot of me talking. So where, are you, where are you based out of? Are you based out of here, Austin? Yep, I live in Austin. And where can, you, where can people find your book? Um, the book, we, we usually have one copy for sale at Oopal's Anime uh, over in Rutland. That's a physical copy. We will be putting it on CreateSpace. Um, it's not on there yet. However, if you go to our Facebook page, if you go to facebook.com slash AESBrass, that's our Facebook page. Please like our page. We just did 200 likes. We are so happy. It's like I think I, I, think I liked it earlier this morning. Yeah, you did. And we remember when it had 10 likes and was sitting at 10 because it was just like friends and family. <laughs> right. And now it's like it's building momentum. It's yes, getting, that's, a, that's a very nice feeling. It's, so, oh, it's, such, it's such a good feeling to, to see those likes climb. Now we're actually having more likes than some other pages we run into for once. It's like, oh, my goodness. So I'll share pages to boost their likes for once. Um, the, uh, but we also play test, open play test Saturday evenings at Oopal's uh, around like 6, 7 p.m. I run, I typically will run the game. I'm going to start a campaign soon. Um, I've got a couple other people who also like to run. Uh, kudos to them. And they've given me some feedback on what the GM section needs. GM section is still under underdeveloped. I run a lot of it from my head. But we need a G- better GM section. So that's something we're working on. Um, well, yeah, you, well, you mentioned your Facebook page. Did you say you, they can get it there or they can contact you to, to get one? Yeah, if they can contact us. We will post the link to CreateSpace there uh, when it's up. We will also, on our website, aesbrassrevolution.com, um, so we will also be posting it there when it's done. Uh, we're also, our email, aesbrass at gmail.com, or and our Twitter is aesbrass. We try to be really consistent with how we tip things on, I, I agree, on the digital yes. presence. Um, try, we're trying to make sure we don't screw up the marketing. Whew. Which That's is always the hardest here. part of a lot of companies. Yeah. Uh, our plan right now is this is version 8 of the alpha. 
Um, we're probably going to have some updates, expansion packs to it as we add more. We already have several mat more material we're going to add. Uh, version 8 was main focus was pulling out things from version 7 and fixing typos. We fixed a lot of typos. Um, version 9 is going to be about more new content, um, but we are getting closer to the beta. We are approaching beta. We're, we're going to start getting this core whipped into shape, and it, it, then we start the beta test. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Like we'll finally have, we, we're going to consider beta when all the content that should be in the core is in the core, and we just now we just need to fine-tune it or maybe cut a little bit more, maybe shrink some things, move some things, adding some more lore, stuff like that. So basically, you're just you don't you, you don't you don't have like a mass printing yet. You're just like printing them as they're ordered or yeah, kind of, kind of thing. So well, I actually um, I, I get mine printed at Office Depot. I've got a <laughs> uh, we, we've got a nice discount card. Gets cheap. Um, so I, I just printed and get it's like it somebody there. wants a book, quick, go get it printed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'll just awesome. print it out. Uh, I, I I'm fine with mailing it to people, even though it's a little expensive. But we're looking at Create Space to get away from that because way less intense. Basically download and, a PDF and... Yeah. Uh, we give uh, PDF versions to our playtesters. So if someone wants to sign up to be a playtester and, and uh, uh, dedicates to give feedback, we provide PDFs. Yeah. That's awesome. So once again, we're, I was talking to the professor. He is the writer, creator, well, co-writer, creator of Ice um, Brass, Brass Revolution. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a steampunk RPG. Yeah. Um, and once again, we are at ChupacabaCon 3 up in Round Rock, Texas. And uh, you were listening to the Texas Steampunk Connection. And I thank you very much for, for, for sitting down and chatting with me. Um, uh, thank you. Uh, it's been a blast. Thanks for listening to me for so long. <laughs> no problem. That's what, that's what this is all about. Um, and so that's it, for t that's it for this podcast and this show. Um, until next time, mind your gauges. <laughs> Okay, once again, that was the professor talking about Ice Grass Revolution RPG. Any questions, you can go to our Facebook page, Texas Steampunk Connection. Questions, comments, or information of any new steampunk things going on that you think we should know about and we should talk about, let us know. Um, so, I hope you enjoyed that. Until next time, mind your gauges.